Today is September 21st. It's a Friday, and you're listening to Ty's Daily Commute and Video Game Podcast. Well, um, just uh, thinking about what I was going to talk about today, and one of the things that popped into my head was uh, used video game stores. And uh, one of the things I've noticed about used video game stores is just that how different owners of them handle uh, sports games, used sports games. And uh, um, some of them, you know, they all understand that they're pretty much junk. They're not worth much anything once they're a year old. And uh, they, I know some of them just let them mix right in with the other games. And other uh, store owners won't take them in. Um, and uh, then there's other ones that have like a separate area for the sports games. Um, I think if, if I were a person who had a used game store, which I don't and I probably will never will, um, that I would take all those used games and I'd literally have a garbage can in the store, kind of like a symbolic garbage can, and I would put all the, the used sports games in this garbage can and let people pick them out and have like, you know, one cent or something on them. And I would also only take them in for very little bit of money. Um, I wouldn't even take in the ones from the current year because while money can be made on them, they're just, well, I wouldn't take them in for a lot of money. Everything, every sports game, because within you know a few months, if you don't sell it back, you've lost money on it. So um, I would just put them, you know, I would give them almost no money for them, and, but you could also buy them for almost no money as well. So it would just kind of be like this. Uh, symbolic, you know, yeah, you, you might like the sports game, but we all know that it'll be garbage sooner or later. Um, and it's, it's sad because it never used to be like that. I mean, you know, if you think back to the older game systems, um, the games didn't become garbage and worth nothing within such a short period of time. I mean, you know, of course, back then, each console had maybe one or maybe two or three of... Uh, any particular sport sports game um, on at any time. I mean, like baseball. There was Nintendo's baseball, and then there was Temco's baseball, and there was SNK baseball stars. I don't. Know if, I think that came for the came off of the NES. But they were all you know unique, different games, and uh, you know ice hockey. There was ice hockey and blades of steel. Um, maybe there was something else. I don't know of it. Uh, you know, uh, golf. There was golf, and then there was Mario's Open. And I think there was a couple other golf games, um, but golf games aren't quite the same as as football games, which are like every year, every year, new one, new one, new one, new one. And uh, uh, I mean, like even you know on the NES, I don't even think Nintendo made a football game for it. There was just the there's Temco football, and there was uh, maybe one or two other ones of that as well. Um, but there wasn't like a new one every year by the same company, with only minor changes like changes to the roster. Um, that really started later in the life of the Sega Genesis. Um, when the Genesis came out, there was, there was, uh, uh, what was it? It was, uh, uh, what's his name? Joe Montana football. And, uh, that was pretty good back then. And then they had like Joe Montana sports talk football, but that was for the Sega CD. And that wasn't even really a football game like you're used to. It was more like a strategy game because it was all uh, video footage and stuff, and it kind of sucked. Um, I have it. <laughs> and, uh, um, but I got that really, really cheap because uh, it sucked. Um, and, uh, but then 
there was like EA Sports started making they made the first Madden game and then they made then it's kind of started this new thing where there's okay well they made Madden and then it was like Madden with a year on it and they also had that um, Mutant League football which was very different it was awesome um, I actually really liked Mutant League football it would be awesome if they made another Mutant League football uh, game but they never did um, you know so that's kind of where it started was like really with the Sega Genesis was where the, the football games really started up and I mean they were on the Super Nintendo but like really the Genesis was Electronic Arts real focus because they didn't have the uh, uh, licensing restrictions that Nintendo did that made it you know more cost prohibitive to make a game so it was like in the 90s that the late you know in the mid it was like it was Madden 94 the first one with a year on it and that's when it pretty much started with the you know every year having a new version of the game you know with essentially I mean even the Genesis was essentially the same game all they did was change like you know a couple little things here and there change the character roster you know uh, the player roster um, but it really was the same game all over again and uh, but so people then still didn't feel like oh I gotta buy the newest one coming out because the one for the previous year was pretty much the same um, and then it kind of got to the point where you know the serious football fanatics would be like football gamer fanatics whatever you call it um, would start getting oh Madden Madden's coming out the new Madden's coming out, I gotta get the new Madden and uh, by the time the Genesis the, I mean the Genesis the Dreamcast came out then you had you still was, it still wasn't bad but because there was competition so like you know you had NFL 2K, you know, and other games like that, and of course EA would not make for, make any games for the Dreamcast at the time, and uh, any football games. Um, but then, then EA was able to negotiate exclusivity to NFL properties, and that's when it just kind of like that's where it kind of just started to suck because then it was just Madden, Madden game after year after year, and uh, and since they were exclusive. You know, no one else wants. Nobody wants to play a football game where they're just, you know, fa fantasy. I mean, or fictional characters. And they want to play it with the real characters in it. So, so that kind of ended the the NFL games by 2K Sports, and uh, and so there's. So then, you know, pretty much EA was the only game in town, and uh, they could do whatever they wanted, and and uh, it just it's not the same as it used to be. I mean, I remember I actually enjoyed a sports game. You know, didn't play them all the time, but I mean, I remember playing uh, playing Joe Montana football. I was like, yeah, it's a great game. Well, to play with my friends, and uh, even even the early Maddens were good. Um, but now, I mean, like graphically, they're better. But I don't know. I just don't. I just don't see it. You know, I don't see what people see in uh, sports games anymore. You know, because they just they you buy them, and now comes the next new one next year. It's like, well, I mean, do I even care? It's got the newest character. What's the difference? I'm the one that's playing it. <laughs> I'm not, you know, um, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can play the old one, you play the new one. It doesn't, particularly you play the Madden from two years ago, you can mad, play the Madden now. What's the difference? You know, just the names on the jerseys, that's it, you know. Uh, I just can't stand it. The, it's it's frustrating to even think about it. Um, yeah, so since I'm talking about used game stores, um, I have to say that we're pretty lucky in the area I live in. There's several really good game stores um, out there. Um, 
there's uh, one right in my town. It's called uh, uh, Games of Plunder. And the, the kid in there, he's real. He's like, he's a good kid. Um, and he's got a lot of old classic games in there. If you like classic games, um, you know, he's got Atari 2600. He's got a ColecoVision games, NES games, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, I like to go in there every once in a while. He doesn't get a lot of turnover in what he gets. Like he doesn't get a lot of new stuff in, but he also I don't, he doesn't sell a lot of the older stuff off. So it just kind of it does kind of sit there for a while. So um, I kind of know what's in there before I even go in. Um, whereas like uh, stores like uh, um, in, in Scotia and in Albany and in Troy, there's a place called Pastime Legends, and uh, that's owned by uh, by uh, this guy Joe and he's and Joe and uh, his girlfriend Emily, and they're they're so, it's a great it's a great store. Um, and they've got really good stock in there and in particular their choice store is actually if you're a classic gamer the choice store is like one of the best ones they've got um i you know most of the time i would go to the one in uh scotia just because it's convenient to me to go to that one but the one in troy is actually not far from my work and i can, sometimes i go there during lunch to pick something up um the one the one in albany is it's like in this uh uh kind of like artist area and uh yeah it's really inconvenient to get to because it's not right off the highway or anything like that. So I've only been in there once, but the store is fine. Um, but yeah, so they have they have a pretty they have a really good selection. They have a lot of old classic stuff. Their prices are good. Um, one of my favorite stores in the area is actually a Mr. Deals, and the reason I love Mr. Deals just because is his store is just so awesome. The the actual uh, store that he has the, the it, it's like walking into a, a game store from the 1980s. Um, you go in there, well, the 80s, it's like a trans-time uh, game store because you go in and he's got all these beautiful glass display cases, like something you might have seen like Toys R Us or in, a, in a, any other game store. And, uh, and in the glass display cases, he's got all the game holders, like from class, from those, that time period you know, like the kinds of the display units, and he's got um, NES cartridges in the box, and they're shrink-wrapped, and they're the original shrink-wrapped with, like, the stickers, the price stickers from the that time period still on the games. Like, there'll be, like, a game in there, and it has, like, an Ames price tag on it, or there'll be one that has, like, a, a Sears price tag or a Toys R Us price tag. And, I mean, there's a few in there that he's, um, that he puts in shrink-wrap himself, or does he? I think he just puts them up without shrink wrapping them if they're in the box. Um, I don't, he's not one of those guys that shrinks, shrink, you know, shrink wraps them um, unless they were already shrink wrapped. So um, yeah, so he's got some really, really cool stuff in there, and he goes all over the place to get things in. So he's got that that kind of thing like, um, whereas you go in other game stores, their inventory comes from what people bring in. Well, he actually goes out and gets inventory, which is really interesting. So you'll see lots of cool stuff, like, you know, an NES in the, you know, in the box, like, and in perfect condition, like a mint box, a mint ColecoVision box with a game system in it, you know, um, um, rare consoles, like he's got the Mountain Dew Xbox console, he's got the, um, he's got a, a stack of 3DOs, he's got a stack of Sega Saturn, you know, like, and that's not, Saturns aren't rare, but, but he's got them, like, in boxes, he's got ones that are, are loose, too, as well. He's got, you know, turbo graphics systems. He's got um, the uh, CDIs, all that kind of stuff that, and, and like a whole bunch of uh, J 
jag like almost a ton of Jaguar games, uh, just in, in boxes and stuff. So it's, it is really cool to go in there. I, I do like that store. You know, nothing against <clears throat> any other stores. He's just he's a unique experience that you don't see very often, and it's cool that it's right in the area. So, um, you know, if you're ever in the Albany area, you definitely it's like a colony actually. But if you're ever in the in the colony area, you really want to go to. Uh, Mr. Deals. It's a very cool store. You should also check out the other ones as well. Um, I mean, there's some other game stores too. I, I haven't been to all of them. Uh, one I'm not particularly fond of. Um, they do have some decent games in there. There's a J Street Games, and they have they're in uh, Crossgates Mall and Colony Center in the area. And uh, that you know, it's really not how they have you know not their store, not the stuff that they have in it, but it's just kind of the general attitude I go in there. Um, they just, I, I get an attitude, and I, I don't like that. Um, there's something about it that just bothers me, so I don't frequent there there very often. If I happen to be going there and be in the area, I, I will pop my head in the look sometimes, but I definitely, uh, it's not it's not a place that I'm like, oh, I'm going to go there. You know, I'm not going to go there. Um, but some people might find, you know, it definitely it's a place that has a has decent inventory. Um, there's also a place called Forgotten Freshness, which I've never been to. Um, and if you're ever in the Binghamton, New York area, which is nowhere near me, it's like 90 minutes away from my house, um, there's a really, really cool game store called um, Robot City Games. And he's got a great inventory of games, but what makes it even cooler is he's got an arcade in his game store. And got a lot of cool classic games from the 80s. And some from the 90s as well. It's just really awesome. Go to Robot City Games in, in uh, Binghamton, New York. It's very cool. Alright, uh, what else am I going to talk about? Um, didn't do anything last night or this morning. Um, you know, if you heard my podcast from yesterday, you noticed that the I missed the beginning portion. Of, I, missed, I didn't have the morning segment. That's because it got all wrecked by the software. I'm using this other software. seems to be working well. So I'm going to stick with this one. Um, sucks that I had spent $3.99 for this other software. They're both $3.99. I just picked one of the two, and I picked the wrong one, obviously. So, yeah. So the, the one that if you do have an Android phone and you want to record audio, I would highly suggest the HiQ um, MP3 recorder. Okay, talk about irony. So I'm using this new program and it does the exact same thing. So my thoughts are that there is something, some other app that is interfering with uh, this program or just recording in general on my phone and completely like just cutting it off. Or the other thing is that uh, it's possible that the um, microphone is doing it. Although I kind of doubt that, because um, then I would have just have problems all the time, and it's just it's like at a certain point and it doesn't pop back in again. So um, I'm really thinking it is it really is that portion. You know, it's really just the the software itself. Uh, you know, I might actually end up just getting some kind of uh, um, MP3 recorder device. They sell those at Walmart. The problem is that the quality is not that great on them. I mean, they're really meant for like taking notes and stuff like that and uh, at least with the software the Android software soft my Android I could record at 44100 kilohertz all I, I do have this popping in the in the audio so um, I don't know I got to figure out what I'm gonna do I don't want to spend money on this because you know nobody's really listening anyway so haha um, 
Maybe people are. I don't know. But I'm just glad that uh, that I have the time to do this. And actually, now you're listening to the evening portion of the podcast. The moon is out, and I'm headed to Walmart to do some shopping for the weekend. I figured I'd get this done um, before Saturday so my day isn't completely spent out shopping and doing things like that. Um, I'm in a different vehicle. I'm in my Nissan Murano, uh, one of my favorite vehicles that I've ever had. Stupid car seats were squeaking in the back there in this fire star for a minute. Um, yeah, so uh, so I turn the cooling system off in this thing. All right, so uh, yeah, I. It's a little frustrating though to uh, have this issue. I gotta keep. I gotta look at the meter every so often, I guess. No, did I? all messed up. There we go. That's better. Oh, well, that seat is going to drive me insane in the membrane. There. That's better. Thank goodness it was just a booster seat. Yeah, so, uh... Oh, what was I talking about? Yeah, um... I'm just thinking about what I'm going to do this weekend. Um, really, really want to get that Donkey Kong Jr. done. That would feel like I accomplished something. I got a lot of other stuff to do, so I don't know if I'll get to it. But, man, maybe I'll try to sneak it in tonight and stay up late. Uh, get it done. Put it away. That would be nice. Um, yeah, I'm kind of... And the thing is, is that I'm really doing my best to change my hours of operation um you know you know the old man everybody's got the dad who did this at least that's the way it always was me uh my dad would be up at like four or five o'clock in the morning he still gets up early in the morning um you know he's 70 years old now and he's still doing that and uh um uh, so i've been trying to get up at five o'clock i've said that already but man i'm one of those people that can stay up to three o'clock in the morning working on something and can be very productive at it um, but it's really not good for your health. It really isn't. It's like uh, you, know, you get sick, um, you gain weight from doing it. Um, there's a lot of bad reasons to do it. But, you know, every once in a while I like to sneak it in. But the thing is, is that I finally, in my, for a long time in my life, actually feel um, pretty well rested. Um, don't feel exhausted since I have since the college when I got, a, I got sick. You know, I got like a... There's a guy in class, and don't laugh because I got mono, <laughs> but I wasn't kissing him. He just happened to be sitting next to me in class, hawking, hacking, and coughing, and wheezing. And uh, I got I got uh, mononucleosis or whatever they call that, and my my liver actually was like sticking out of my side. It was so swollen and hard. You could just see the liver shape. It was uh, quite disturbing to look at it. And I was actually in the hospital for it, um, and uh, for the longest time I actually I was you know I was in college at the time and that one semester I actually was um, just going into class and just falling asleep because I could not it just drained that having that having mono just totally drains your life out of you and um, I would just be in class sleeping and go to the next class and sleep and go to the next class and sleep and then go home and sleep and uh, I was like it was probably like in April when it started too and uh, so, 
man. But the funniest thing was I did my best that semester. I actually had really good grades that semester, sleeping in the classes. And uh, the teachers were actually, the professors, I should say, were actually pretty uh, understanding. I mean, I was just absolutely, they could see because my eyes were all, like, all black underneath and, and uh, you know, I was just completely exhausted. There was, it wasn't like I was uh, disrespectful about, you know, falling asleep. I just couldn't even stay awake. Um, and there, the people in my class would kind of, like, wake me up. You know, I just had to make sure I had attendance, you know, and do my best in the classes. And I, to be honest with you, I didn't do anything extra. I mean, I just went to the classes. It's like I absorbed it while I was asleep. Um, and uh, so I don't know if anybody's had that kind of experience before. But, man, look at this kid. Kid just, what are you doing? It's like riding in the road. These college kids are so stupid. I went to, actually went to this college for the first two years of college. This is uh, SUNY Cobuskill, and uh, it's a state university of New York. And uh, just a doofus. <laughs> just wandering like as if he were drunk, but he's not. He's just wandering, kind of like veering around on the road. I mean, granted, it's 10 o'clock at night, but still, you know, you might want to drive a little more, uh, drive, ride your bicycle a little bit more carefully. Especially when it's pitch black out and you're wearing a black sweater. <laughs> so, um, yeah. It's so funny. It's weird to think. You know, I, I go by these college students. And I look at them, and, and the the thought is that I realize that um, this fall I will have been out of high school for 20 years. I mean, like it's like 20 years ago I went to college, and it, it don't I don't feel that old. I mean, I'm 37, but um, it's just weird. It's definitely very weird to be uh, um, just. Nothing's really changed either. I mean, like, oh, you know, the gas station remodeled and this restaurant changed and half the places in town have closed because the economy. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, there's, it's still, it's not really that different. There's no flying cars. You know, that's the always thing everybody says is, that, where's the flying cars? And, you know, those flying cars were supposed to be around when I was a kid. You know, <laughs> if you think about those 50s uh, popular science uh, things and, uh, well, there are flying cars, but nobody's driving them. Um, and they're not flying like people think. They're not like anti-grav cars. Although, I did uh, hear in the... Um, now, here, I'm thinking I lost my audio, because I'm looking at the meter, and I don't see as much audio as I think I should have, but I don't know. We'll see afterwards. But, uh... Um... I was reading, and it looks like they're thinking they may have found a way to... Um, feasibly uh, bend space to create a uh, Star Trek type warp drive. Um, I like to call it the Abercrombie drive because it's named after this guy whose last name is a look makes me think Abercrombie every time I see it. So uh, I always imagine like Star Trek where everybody's wearing Abercrombie and Fitch. Uh, so it's just a funny thing in my head. I can't I, I can't even think the Aber, um, oh, I can't even think of the guy's name, last name now, um, but the initial um, proposed proposal was to create a spherical um, bend in space-time where, where you literally, in front of you, you compress space, not space-time, it's really just space, you compress space um, in front of you, um, and then behind you, you stretch it out. And so, um, while you are traveling at a speed that 
I've actually literally um, wow, yawning. Um, you're traveling at a speed that is 10 times C or 10 times the speed of light. Um, you're really relativistically, you know, like from your perspective, you're not traveling faster than light. You're actually, you know, I mean, you look out. If you, I don't know, if you, I don't know if you can look out because, um, but um, if you were to, for, you know, to you, you actually go someplace very fast. But the rest of the universe, it's as if you're um, stretched out, um, long and you know, very long. You're, and then you—that's not a very good explanation. Um, but what, what I'm trying to say is that the uh, is what it, it does is it actually um, bends space and time. So you're not wherever you know wherever you are, you're not actually moving faster than than uh, faster than light. Um, you're actually just taking up more space, and uh, and you're able to uh, essentially just go faster. You know, like you're not really going faster, but you know, um, but you do get there faster. So you get there as if you traveled ten times the speed of light, but you didn't travel ten times the speed of light. You didn't even travel the speed of light because um, if you did travel the speed of light, you know, like you would be like just just the interstellar gas alone would destroy you. Um, and that's the thing you got to think about too is like any kind of collision um it could be really tragic because you would have no warning because you couldn't see in front of yourself um you know with a warp drive uh like they're theorizing you would have to plot your course and plan your course and then in front of you um you would see things but it would be too late before you saw anything that might be in your way um because and it would all be distorted too, as well, because you're crunching it up. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I just, I get kind of a little um, perplexed even just thinking about what it would appear like. I suppose from the um, side view, it would look a lot like Star Trek, except for there's not that many. You're only going, you're only going ten times the speed of light. So there's not like you're blowing past stars, like they, you know, because that's pretty darn fast. Even you know, I mean. You know, it's going to be when you, if you did go by something, like uh, you would go by, by it pretty quickly. Um, you know, got to think about it like in terms of how long it takes the light to reach Earth. Um, takes like, what is it, um, two minutes? It's two minutes for light, light to reach Earth. Oh, it's a nightmare. And, uh, and so you know you go through your you go through the solar system in like five minutes, you know. So if you're in a, in a side of solar system and you were going at this speed, um, you would definitely see kind of like that warp field effect that they see in Star Trek. But I would highly recommend you don't because you have to deal with um, asteroids, meteorites, and just interstellar gas. So probably best if you didn't go so fast. <laughs> All right, so I'm at Walmart now. I'm going to do some shopping. I'm going to stop this now, and uh, we'll see. Oh, man, I really wish I knew what's causing it to stop. Um, it actually doesn't stop recording. It just records uh, negative sound, which is like if you're looking at the sound wave, um, you know, it, there's the positive voltage, the minus voltage, and then there's the center, and it just records the negative. 
um, voltage just flat lines it down to the not in the center but flat it peaks it at the bottom okay guys turn it off hello everybody welcome back to the afternoon section of the podcast and it is September 21st yes September 21st 2012 well so I'd got some uh, comments from some people that listen to the podcast wow people listen and uh, they seem to think that it would be really cool if I actually um, when, I, when I'm doing this podcast is to not stop the recording and just record everything that I'm doing on the way home which uh, I'm up for that if you guys don't mind it so if you do you feel free to uh, email me it's uh, ty at tylory.com um, if you have any questions that you want me to answer you know arcade related I'm, I'm perfectly willing to do that as well and you can also tweet to me at Ty K Laurie at well, just Ty K Laurie is my handle. It's T I G H E K L O R Y. Um, so, <clears throat> so this is what I'm going to do. Actually, earlier in the podcast today, I was talking about my weekend and how I spend a lot of my time grocery shopping, and that now lately I've been doing this shop from home uh, thing with uh, through Shoprite, and I can just go in and get the groceries really quickly. Um, so I thought that today, while I'm going to do the groceries, I will record that as well. So um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, let's see what else. Um, yeah, so I'm going to record the groceries right now. I'm, I'm just getting. I'm just leaving work and I'm heading on the highway. Um, and while we're waiting, I'm going to talk about some pinball machines. Um, you know, when you collect arcade games and pinball machines. Um, the one thing that you always can see where, oh, I'd like to have this one, I'd like to have that one, and you have to kind of, at least if you're going to be sane, you have to set your priorities and decide what are the things I have to, what are the things that I absolutely must have, what are the things I'd like to have, and what are the things that I should, I might like, but I probably shouldn't because it's too much, and what are the things I don't, I mean, you don't really have to decide the things you don't like, but there's like three categories, must-haves, would like to haves and not like them, but um, got to set priorities to not get those. Um, now, when it comes to uh, pinball machines, I'm you know I'm fairly new to getting pinball machines. I've only got three. Um, actually, I've had the one for years now, but I never got it working. Uh, I never taken the time to do it. So, you know, essentially, uh, I'm gonna matter of fact, after I do the grocery shopping, I'm gonna tell you guys about why I bought the baby Pac-Man. Um, but uh, I'm going to talk to you first about uh, some cool pinball machines that are out there. Um, one of them I would love to have someday, and I would definitely ditch some of my machines that I have currently in order to get this, and it's called Bonsai Run. It was made by Midway, and I think it was 1994 it came out. Or not Midway, well, Williams. And um, by that time, Williams and Midway were the same company. But uh, uh, so... Bonsai Run is really cool. Um, the, sa- the actual programming was done by uh, Ed Boon, who uh, did the programming for Mortal Kombat, um, one of the original creators, him with uh, uh, John Tobias. Um, anyway, so, oh, and Ed Boon also did, did a program on several other pinball machines, one of them, the famous Taxi Pinball. But uh, Bonsai Run is a really cool pinball machine. There weren't a lot of them made. Um, probably because maybe operators were afraid to have to service them. Although, uh, I'll, uh, they 
turns out they really aren't, from what I understand, all that difficult. Okay, there we go. So, nuts to that. I went to uh, put it in my shirt pocket, and apparently I did, as I feared, um, stop the place recording because it's part of this uh, Android software. Because uh, what happens is if you uh, if the screen goes off, it can actually cause the recording to stop. So you have to disable the screen going off in the software. At least I, I don't want to run the risk of it happening. And so. Um, by doing that, the screen is on, and uh, obviously touching it can make it stop. So I put it in my shirt pocket, and if I paste, placed it facing outward, it wouldn't uh, count as, as touching it, but that way they would see the, they could see the screen right through my shirt. So I'm not, I don't want to be stealthy, too stealthy about it, but um, yes, I wasn't able to record inside. At least I got, probably got some of it, but not all of it. But it was very quick. Um, the stop off. I just went in and got my stuff and came right out and got my flowers that were free. So now here we go. We're heading out. It's like, uh, it's interesting doing this because it's like talking to someone who isn't there doing this podcast. Um, and, uh, but I do, I wonder if this is going to help me to uh, formulate my thoughts. If I'm always doing this all the time, um, a lot of times that what I'll do is I'll start talking about, and I said this before, I'll start talking about something and then while I'm talking about it, um, it'll bring up some other thought in my head and I'll start talking about that thought. And then that will lead me to another thing and another thing. And within a few minutes of talking, I am completely on some other subject. And I think other people do that as well, but I seem to be uh, plagued with that. Uh, so I'm getting back on the highway now. Not not on the highway yet. Got to make a few turns to get back on. Getting back on is actually pretty quick um, because the lights kind of work out in your favor. Ooh, that light's green all the way ahead, and I don't know if I'm going to make it for turns. You, do you guys uh, ride the light, as I say? You know, it turns orange. Kind of like uh, you ever seen if you ever seen the movie uh, Starman. Yeah, that wasn't a good idea. Didn't work out for me. All right. Did you hear the screech of the wheels? There's your entertainment. I was hoping to make it, but there's cars coming, so definitely didn't want to do that. But uh, again, back to the movie Starman, because I've just gone off on some other subject again. Um, there's a line in the movie where she asks if he knows how to drive a car, and he says he knows how to drive a car, and uh, he says, you know, green means go, red means stop, and yellow means go really fast, <laughs> or something like along that lines. Um, and if you watch, t if you learn things by watching TV, of course, that's what you would think. Um, yeah, so, uh, do, 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 do. yeah, so, yeah, the Starman thing, but, um, again, now I've gone off subject, so uh, let me get back to baby Pac-Man because uh, Baby Pac-Man is an interesting game, and I think the story behind why I bought a Baby Pac-Man uh, would be interesting to some extent. All right, let's take you back in time, um, back to the past, so let's say. Um, it is, the year is probably 1982, 81, whatever time, whatever, it's probably 82. If I recall correctly, the mall that this baby Pac-Man one was in was 
opened in 1982. I could be wrong, but it was Crossgates Mall in uh, Albany, New York. And uh, it, it's, it was a gigantic, at the time, considered a gigantic mall. And I remember, um, you know, I'm going to be like seven years old at the time. And uh, I just remember just like being like in awe of when this, because uh, it was like around, it was Christmas, just before Christmas time. And just this thing was like, malls seemed massive. And it was, you know, the 80s when everything was about malls. And it was really cool to go there. I mean, they actually had like a recording studio inside the mall, if you recall those kind of things. I mean, um, you go in there and they'd have like a studio with a booth. And, and they would have, uh, you know, essentially it was like karaoke where you could record your own songs and have your own songs. Uh, that's like some of the things I remember. And it had a glass elevator. Wow, never seen that before. <laughs> and it went down into the fountain area. Um, yeah, so, you know, totally tacky, totally 80s. Um, the tiles in the mall were all the exactly the same tiles that you would see in the uh, 80s Burger King. You know, those brown, I guess like a, not brown, but kind of reddish adobe kind of uh, tiles. And, uh, yeah, I think, they, I think they changed all that. I mean, it's all changed now, but um, it's kind of like an off-white kind of tile now. Um, yeah, but back then it was all these rusty reddish, brownish colored tiles. And, and you know, you had the Chess King store and the um, KD toys and, and all those, you know, kind of stores. And the arc back then the arcades were awesome. And uh, so I remember going into the arcade and playing a bunch of games. Not a lot, just you know, going in there. I didn't have a lot of money. Like, first thing is, so I went to the mall, I was with my mother. And I think, I think this, yeah, I'm pretty sure this time it was the whole family. So my father was there too. And my father did not like going to shopping malls. That was like, it was like to him, it was the, probably the worst thing, torture you could possibly do to a person. Um, you know, but he tolerated it. Um, so we go into the, uh, we're in the mall, get in there, go to the arcade. I'm playing a few games. I probably had maybe like a dollar or two dollars a quarters. You know, something I had saved up or something. You know, not a lot. And uh, just absolute delight to be able to go into the uh, arcade. And, uh, you know, so I played whatever I played. And then I saw it there just sitting. It was, like, near close to the entrance to it. And there was this baby Pac-Man sitting there with its pinball and video game on top. And I was just like, whoa, what is this? And uh, so I went up to it, put a quarter in it. And... Uh, I played it for such a short period of time. Um, I remember, you know, one thing I was I thought was like, man, the graphics kind of suck. <laughs> but I still loved the game because it was pinball and video game. And, and one, it was just so cool. You go down the thing and you come out the bottom and playing pinball. And uh, uh, I just loved, loved the idea. Uh, but I was like, wow, it doesn't look as good as regular Pac-Man. Um, but by no means did it make it bad to me until I had played it for so little about a time and then uh, my mother was just standing she would not even here's the thing my mother would not go into malls not the malls I mean, she would not go into the arcade she would stand outside and glare at me until I would leave <laughs> I mean it was nice of her to let me go in at all but so this time I'm playing the baby Pac-Man so this is the game that I, I'm like wow this is, the, this is really interesting now if I'd known when I first went in there it was going to be like this I would have gone to that one first. But, so I played it, I don't know, a minute, half a minute, and my mother's like, Ty, Kirk Glory, get out here, now. 
I'm like, oh, mom. And so, of course, I left the mall. I mean, I left the arcade. Didn't even get to finish my quarter, my one quarter that I put into it. And, uh, and then we went on and spent, you know, all the time she wanted in the clothing stores, which is just, you know, when you're a kid, ugh, clothing stores, you know. Oh, I hate it. It's so funny because now I don't really care. But back then when I was a kid, oh, the clothing store. Oh, God. Yeah. When is the clothing When can we go someplace else? You know, when can we go to a toy store? <laughs> but, you know, that's the way it is in your kids. So that's why, um, you know, when I started collecting arcade games, it was like, you know, I never got to play that baby Pac-Man. And, and so I was determined to be, that became one of my grails, to have a baby Pac-Man pinball. Now, my experience playing it was so short. It was really not much at all. I barely had played it. And so I, you know, I did know that the graphics on the game in the video game part were kind of sucky compared to actual Pac-Man. I mean, like, here's a game that was made two years later. Why is it not as good as Pac-Man? It should be better. I mean, it was better in that it was a pinball, too, but, but the, uh, you know, and that comes down to some other reasons in which I'll talk about that, too. But right now, um, so here I am, you know, adult now, got a few video games, you know, watching Craigslist, and I see a baby Pac-Man pop up and not on my way home from work. And uh, I call them up. Like, I had the, you know, thing to remind me, you know, set up and send me notices when something comes up. So I get the notification. It came up. And I call them. And they're like, sorry, we already sold it. And I'm like, what? Like, literally, the listing had come up like 15 minutes earlier. And this guy had already come and picked it up and taken it. And it was cheap. It was like $150 or something like that. And uh, I don't remember what the price was exactly. But it turns out it was Steve, Warehouse Steve. And uh, Steve's a nice guy. But Steve will come in like uh, tack hot. I don't know what to say. He gets those games... When, he, when he's serious about something, he gets it quick. He's got his van, he goes in, and he swoops them up and takes them out, and they're gone. So, one thing I don't like to do is compete with Steve for a game. Uh, um, so, my, my best luck has been things that are kind of like outside his range of getting things. This happened to be in Schenectady, and he actually, you know, lives close, pretty close to Schenectady. So, he was able to get that really quickly. Um, so I missed out on that one. And then there was another one that popped up, and I missed that one as well. Um, another one sold really quickly. And uh, anyway, so shoot forward like a few months or so, and on the forums, um, this guy up in Plattsburgh, who's just kind of like had been selling games on the forum, not much doing anything else but selling games. And uh, oh, I just love it when people uh, want get, to get in front of you. So I got somebody right behind me now, and they're like, ooh, now we got traffic all on a straight line going down the highway, three lanes of it. Now she's going to come up, she's coming up alongside me now. She's trying to think, ooh, can I wedge myself between me and the car in front of me, in the car in front of me right now? And I don't know what she's thinking, because she's only two car lengths behind me. She's not getting there any faster. Ugh. Anyways. So, so this he, he, he's got this baby Pac-Man, and I think he wanted $200 for it. 
and it was looked really nice but did not work and he lived up in Plattsburgh and so so I tell him I'd like it and I convince the wife that I can if I get up nice and early in the morning I won't disturb the weekend waste the weekend and uh, I get up at four o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning if not maybe it was three o'clock in the morning and I get in the car and I drive the ungodly distance to the edge of the universe called Plattsburgh which is on the border of Canada and uh, so I drive and drive and drive and drive and drive through the Adirondacks on the highway I the bears run out in front of me in the car <laughs> and it's really early still I mean it's you know this time it's probably like five in the morning and uh, bears and raccoons and coyotes it's crazy the menagerie of the highway and uh, I finally make my way up to Plattsburgh it's like uh, seven in the morning or so uh, Seven, six, six, thirty-seven. I don't know. It's pretty, still pretty early, and uh, and uh, this is this this is like early summertime, if I recall correctly, and it's pretty cold up there. And I go up there. He's got some pretty cool games up there, and uh, I look at the baby Pac-Man. It does turn on, you know, but it just doesn't work. And uh, so I load it into my uh, my car, my Nissan Murano, which surprisingly is actually very good for hauling games and make the drive back oh and by the way while I'm up in Plattsburgh um, which I've been up to Plattsburgh one other time to go to Sable Chasm but other than that I feel no need to go to Plattsburgh um, but I get up there and I mean this is like right near the border of Canada where this guy lives and the ra the radios are all like the radio stations all are French Quebecian radio stations and uh it's so funny because I turn it on and I go to some station and it's, it's French heavy metal, which just sounds absolutely ridiculous. You know, I'm, per, I'm a fan of heavy metal. I like metal songs. But wow, French heavy metal sounds so stupid. I mean, maybe it's because I know French. But um, yeah, it's bizarre to listen to French heavy metal. German heavy metal, while other, on the other hand, sounds pretty badass because it's German. You know, it's, it's you know, Germans kind of a metally sounding spoken language in the first place. Um, I Norwegian metal, you know, that's pretty badass too. Um, but uh, French metal, I mean, that's like, uh, what can I think of? What could be worse than French metal? Hmm. Really, I'm just trying to think of any other language that would sound as bad as French metal does, and I really can't. Russian sounds like it'd be really cool. I know that Japanese metal is pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> some of my favorite the MUCC or MOOC is one of the awesomest metal bands uh, you know so uh, let me see um, yeah I can't think of any other language what's a more sissy language that you could think of that's it's so funny I can't but anyway so that's why I was listening to French metal I make the drive back home and I get the game into my basement and uh you know, I pull the chips out of it, hoping that maybe it's just a dirty ROM. Get it a little working a little better. The monitor needs a cap kit. And I got the cap kit now. I haven't installed that yet. But what it turns out is you've got, in the Baby Pac-Man, you've got, you've got uh, several different components in it. You've got, of course, the standard power supply, the driver board for a pinball machine, and the MPU, um, which controls the pinball machine. And uh, that 
part, you know, is a shared part that's in like my Quicksilver pinball, which is a Stern, but at the time, Stern pinballs shared designs with uh, Bally because the guy who was like the chairman of ba of Bally was actually Mr. Stern, who had Stern pinballs. So there's kind of there was a shared resource between the two companies. I don't think that they were the same company, but they definitely, you know, were manufacturing some of the same parts. Maybe they're being made at the same place at the same time. I don't know the details on that. But yeah, so you've got the power supply, the driver board, you've got the MPU board, and then you got the video game part, which is called a vidiot board. V-I-D-I-O-T, like, you know, the, what they called people who played video games back then. You know, essentially video video crossed with idiot, vidiot. And uh, so that was the vidiot board. And uh, they ne it needs to communicate with the MPU board which essentially runs the pinball machine. Um, it's, a, it's the main processing unit of the uh, pinball machine. Now, I don't know what MPU stands for. Main, main processing unit, maybe, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there's a cables that connect the two. And on Baby Pac-Man, the connectors are not standard Molex connectors. They're these, like, super quick connectors. They're, like, um, the kind, like, if you were to, the kind, they're the kind like where you take the wire and you push it into the thing and it has like a blade that cuts the wire and connects to the watt you know like and actually you know cuts the the sheath of the wire it makes contact with the wire then there's like a clamp part that in the top of it clamps it down and holds it in place and it doesn't really make a good connection and what it can do is burn the pins on it now my pins don't look bad my connectors don't look all that bad except for the uh, the top the couple of them are missing that top plastic thing that slides on that holds the wires in place, and I push the wires back on you know kind of try to make them have a better connection so you know that might not be the problem I'm not sure exactly what the problem is with Baby Pac-Man but the first step or my next step in doing it since I've done all the receiving of the chips and stuff and done other things to test it out my next step is to um, you know based on what people suggest to do is to take every one of the header pins. Um, off the board. Oh my gosh, we got a North Carolina person who's confused. Okay, just past that guy. Alright, gotta go through the easy pass. Now I'm gonna get some gasoline, and this time I'm going to record getting the gasoline. Not that I'm gonna say anything much, because I don't want people thinking I'm a complete nut. Um, but back to Baby Pac-Man. So the Baby Pac-Man has got this... Uh, board, the, um, got the video board, and you were, I mean, on, not on the, I'm sorry, completely off track again. Okay, so you've got, on the MPU and the video board, there's the interconnecting wire connectors that connect the two boards, and I'm going to replace all the headers on that board, um, because they might be bad. Like the insulator, apparently, between them can actually short out, although it doesn't look like it has. Um, and then, after I do that, and actually, I might not replace those first. The first thing I might do is just replace the Molex connectors. Actually, replace the connectors with Molex connectors. Um, so, yeah, so the next, the first step I'm going to do is take all those connectors off, the crappy ones, and put on, and then make, you know, put regular Molex connectors on them. There's a whole bunch of them. And, uh, um, and then try that out and see if it actually makes communication. And then if that doesn't work, the next step is to take every single header pin off the, uh, the MPU and the video board and replace them with new header pins 
solder them in, check all the solder connections, and then try that out. And the other thing is that the ROMs look a little, make they might be a little corrupted on the game because when you turn it on and it's in test mode, you kind of got some glitches in it. Now, the thing is, is that the glitches might actually be the monitor needing a cap kit. Not sure yet. So um, I could just hook another monitor up, which I have another uh, 13 inch monitor that I could connect to it. Um, uh, okay, these damn Prius people, they annoy the piss out of me. It's like just everything about the way they drive. The way they drive um, and the way they just do everything. It just They have like some kind of weird con concept of how things should be. Or I don't know what is with them. But they, you know, like you'll be driving down the highway. And this is what drives me bonkers. Um, you're at the... Uh, so you're going along and they'll be like... This, is, this blows my mind. So there'll be like the left lane... And traffic is moving, you know, traffic in the middle lane and the right lane, if it's three lanes, you know, are moving, moving at slower speeds, you know, and under 65 or maybe a little bit, maybe right on or a little bit over. And uh, most this is what it really annoys me is when they're not even going 65 in the other lanes. And the Prius driver will be driving under the speed limit and driving in the left lane. And, you know, those... I believe the Prius has got that little tree that grows in the game, in the game, in the car. So if you're driving and getting the best gas mileage, it will, uh, the leaves will grow on the tree. But if you drive, you know, step on the gas and stuff, the leaves will fall off the tree. Now, if I had a Prius, I'd make those leaves fall off every second I could get because I was so angry about it. Um, yeah, so um, they'll drive in the left lane and they will drive like 55 or like 60 in a 65 and it's infuriating and it's like they won't get out of that lane even when they get a chance to get out of it they won't because I think that they think in their head that making everybody else drive slower is saving the environment and that is just infuriating you know if someone feels though that all oh, the polar ice caps are gonna melt and we're gonna have water world you know and they want to think that in their in their dumbass head um, go ahead and think that, you know, and if you want to get yourself a Prius, drive it around and, uh, you know, spend more money in the manufacture of the vehicle and more energy, um, you know, than you would if you just bought like a Honda Civic or like I drive this, I've driven an old 2001 Saturn I've, ha I've had for quite a while now. Um, bought it was like a year old and, uh, it gets 40 miles a gallon. And why would I drive anything else than that? I mean, I drive a hundred miles a day. And so driving a Prius, which costs about 10 times as much, well, let's see, I paid for my Saturn, my, it was the leased vehicle, it was two years old, or a year or two, it was just under, under two years old. It's 2001, I got it in like 2003. Yeah, I got it in 2003. But you know, a car comes out a 2000, you know, year earlier, so approximately, whatever. Yeah, because I got it just before my daughter was born. Um, and, uh, she was born in February 2004, so I got it like that fall, and um, yeah, so I'm going to be getting out of the car soon, um, so I might have to continue this, well, this guy's taking forever pumping gas, he's actually cleaning his windows too, um, here he goes, alright, time to get some gasoline, point this thing outward, 
Alright. Still okay, here we go. Alright, so I'm not gonna talk like a crazy nut, so you know, just wait for me. I'm gonna listen to me. Ooh, this guy pumped eighty dollars. Yeah, so gas is three ninety-five nine here in New York right now. were faster. Okay, I just pumped 8.4 gallons at $33. Filled my tank up. All right, back in the car. Looks like Tammy Faye Baker in front of me. Seems nice. <sighs> okay, pump the gas, buckle my seatbelt, and we're back on the road. All right, so I was saying, so these Prius drivers, you know, they spend all this money in gas. And, I mean, not gas, they they're just, like, think they're saving money, saving the environment, saving gas, but the vehicle costs so much. I mean, I, as I said, I bought my Saturn for $7,500. You know, it was a lease return, so it had a, had a warranty on it still. Um, still got it. I had two Saturns, actually. I bought one for myself and one for my wife, um, these little Saturn SLs. And uh, um, the, I had a bronze-colored one, and I drove that one for quite a while. That had a standard transmission. I really liked the standard transmission in it. Um, it had a little more pep to it. Um, and uh, drove that one to, like, 270000 something like that. And uh, got rid of, sold that last uh, summer because I didn't, you know, because I bought a van. So I didn't need to have four vehicles. You know, there's only two registered, two licensed drivers in my house. 
having four vehicles is a little bit, you know, excessive. Um, yeah, so I, uh, so I got that bronze one, and then I had this blue one I bought for my wife, and we got it, and, you know, with our first kid, and, uh, and my wife, you know, drove it around, and then we, we you know, we, my wife got pregnant with our second kid, and that's when I bought the Nissan Murano, and that worked great. I love that car. Still got it. It's in great shape. That was a one-year lease return, and it was a great deal, but, um, more than I want to spend on the vehicle. I mean, it just, you know, I just didn't like spending that much money on a, a monthly payment. And so when I bought the van, I actually bought that van, um, well, I, it wasn't even Craigslist. It just happened to drive by and this guy had this conversion van and uh, he wanted $3,000 for it. And it was, you know, it was in great shape. It was year 2000, obviously, so it's older, but it didn't, it didn't have very many miles on it. It was under 60,000 miles on it. Um, so, you know, I couldn't, yeah, it was really just a great deal. I mean, even if it, even if it died in a year, I mean, just if you figure it out monthly payment, if you made it the monthly payments, it'd be still less than I was paying on any other, and if I bought a new car, you know? So, and I've had it for over a year now, and uh, the only thing I'd do is I had to replace a fuel pump on it and a pulley. Uh, so it's been a pretty good vehicle. Um, you know, the, the thing is when you buy, you know, used vehicle, you gotta make sure that you have, um, you know, I'm not buying a piece of junk, but you always want to make sure you have a little bit more protection from if it does break down. So I've got the, uh, through my car insurance, I've got like extra towing and things like that. And uh, the first time I had it towed, I had to pay a little bit on it to get it towed. And so I actually increased the amount of towing allowance in my insurance plan. It was cheap to do it. And that paid off because the um, a pulley went out on it. And, and I'll tell you something, I can work on cars. And I don't mind, I mean, I don't like working on cars. I can work on cars. I built an engine. I had an 82 Camaro. I built the engine from the, uh, entirely, um, you know, but uh, I don't like to do it. And I don't have really the time to do it. But when it comes to a van, I will not work on a van because it's so hard to get in there and work on anything. So with this, I'm always going to, if there's something going on, happens with it, I'm going to have somebody else do it. I don't even change the oil in it because I would have changed the oil in it except for the fact that nowadays you could go to Walmart and get your oil change for less than I would spend to do it myself. So, um, you know, once you take the cost of the oil and the filter in, it's, it's you know, and I, if I do my own oil, I use a K&N filter in it because it's got a one inch nut on the end of it so you can get it off. I mean, it's been too many times where you, you go to get your filter off and the filter wrench slips on it. So. Um, and then you have to like jab a screwdriver through it and you hope you don't tear one time on my wife's car. Um, she had a, she had a Beretta. Um, and the oil filters really to get easy to get on those, at, at those on, on that car. But it was just so uh, like fused on and I did, I changed the, or didn't it, maybe it gotten changed somewhere. But um, I went to change the oil and I could not get that oil filter off. And I was tempted to put a screwdriver in it. But I knew that that was on there so tightly I would probably tear it's like almost tear the filter in half and never get it off. So I ended up taking it someplace. Like I, I literally had taken the oil out of it, went to take the filter off, and couldn't get the filter off. So I had to put the oil I just bought in it and then take it to go get changed. So I spent twice the oil because because I, I knew that if I couldn't get the filter off, I would be screwed. But if I took it somewhere else and they couldn't get the filter off, they would have to do whatever they could to get the filter off. So. So I'm like, okay, you rip the filter off, then you're gonna have to do the work to fix it. So um, it worked out for me because I, they definitely had a hard time getting that filter off. And uh, 
I did, you know, <laughs> so it was worth it to me to go and have him do that. But since that bad experience, I've had other times where it was really difficult and a pain. I've spent the extras, like $13 for a K&N oil filter, but with that nut on there that's welded on the end of it, you can just take a one-inch wrench and, and it just comes right off. Um, you know, so, and I don't put them on tight. You know, you're supposed to just put them on your hand. You're not supposed to use a wrench to put them on. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, oh, yeah, so these, you know, wow, totally went off the track there. But anyway, so these Prius drivers, you know, they're driving with their car. They think they're saving the environment, but they're really, they're just costing more money, and it costs more to, to make the vehicle, you know. It just, it makes no sense to me, you know, the, the nonsensicalness. But the other thing is the fact that, I don't care if they want to buy a Prius and they want to drive it, that's fine. But don't get in the left lane and make me drive slower because my car actually gets good mile, gas mileage going 70 miles and 75 miles an hour. You know, it's 2,500 RPMs. I'm going 73 right now. Oh boy. Okay, you're getting a ticket. Um, <laughs> I mean, just just going at what the car naturally goes at. Now, with my standard one, the, the fifth gear was like almost overdrive, and I could, you could like go like 80, and it would still be like, you're just barely touching the gas on the thing. But, uh, yeah, so that's what I don't like about Prius drivers. I mean, if you have a Prius, you drive, I know a guy at work, he's a nice guy, he doesn't do that. So, but it's those, one, those few Prius, those, like those, you know, crunchy granola, hippie, save the planet, but I'm a big socialist, you know, and I want to tell everybody else what to do kind of thing. Um, that's what drives me bonkers. Now, you know, I'm not trying to get too political because I'm going to make everybody else not want to listen to me, but nobody's listening to me anyway, so just my little rant because I just want to drive down the highway, you know, and not have people block the left lane. You know, it's just rude. <sighs> okay. So I was talking about Baby Pac-Man, wasn't I? Yeah, so change the connectors, yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah, so the reason why the graphics on Baby Pac-Man aren't as good is because of the video board. It has not as many colors available to it, and the resolution of uh, the board is lower. It's essentially, it's kind of like a crappy video game in a way. I mean, they did a decent job programming for it, the other thing that people dislike about Baby Pac-Man is that the ghosts slash monsters, as some people call them, excuse me, they uh, are much more difficult because they all track you down and hunt you. Um, and that's because, um, that is because Baby Pac-Man was completely made by Midway, whereas Pac-Man was made by Namco. So, while Mid Midway had the binary code for the game, they did not have the source code for it. And so, you know, if they wanted to make a Pac-Man game, they would have to make it themselves. And so, you know, the programmers there had to make it whatever way they're going to make it, and they just made it more difficult. Now, the other thing is that uh, the other... Now, Midway did make other games that Namco did not like, did not uh, make themselves, like Ms. Pac-Man and Junior Pac-Man were made by Midway. Um, not direct, the Ms. Pac-Man was not made directly by Midway. It was actually um, General, 
General Instruments, no, not General Instruments, something like that. It was GI, was the name of the company, I believe, and they actually made, um, like, uh, they made essentially mods for existing games, and I think the first one was Missile Command, and they got sued by Atari from it and lost, and so they made this mod for Pac-Man, and they called it Crazy Otto, and, uh, Crazy Otto was essentially Ms. Pac-Man, except for the main character was Crazy Otto, and he kind of looked like a, he had a little Pac-Man head and feet that would run around. I think he have a hat in arms? No, he's just feet and a head, a Pac-Man head, and, um, you know, and the ghosts, I think, maybe look different. I, you know, and if you go to, if you went to, to PAX or, um, yeah, PAX East, they had one, had it there set up running. Um, so essentially, it was this little daughter board that plugged into Pac-Man and converted Pac-Man over to Crazy Auto. And they brought it to Midway and said, hey, we don't want to get sued, but we made this and we thought that you might like it. Um, can we work out a deal? And so they did. They worked out a deal and Midway wanted to make a few changes. So they made the changes to make it look like Ms. Pac-Man and they released it. Now there's kind of like, there's di differing opinions as to whether Namco knew about this and sanctioned it or not because um, I, you know the kind of the opinion is that Namco actually did know and, and uh, just let them do it and they didn't care but what happened was is after time they made a whole bunch more games and then Namco said alright we're getting pissed off at you and we're gonna just not deal with you and we also deal with Atari so we're just gonna do everything with Atari now for example um, and actually they actually deal with Rockola too like the game Warp Warp um, was licensed by by Rock, Rock, Rockola, uh, a uh, jukebox manufacturer. Um, but uh, a lot of the other very famous Namco games were licensed by Atari. You've got uh, Dig Dug, and you've got Pole Position, and uh, what were the other ones? Um, I can't think of them right now. It's not, it's not that important, but you can just look at it. You know, you can know because you know what games... Everybody knows now what games are made by Namco. But, uh, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so they just said, all right, Namco... Uh, Namco said, all right, Midway, we're not dealing with you anymore. We're going to deal with just Atari exclusively. And that is why Galaga 88 was not released by Midway, which is one of the biggest um, annoyances to me because Atari just butchered the cabinet design on that game and that's gonna be another story as I think I've said before but back to being Pac-Man so so Midway decided that they're gonna make this baby Pac-Man game and and actually it was Bally which was a, a division of Midway and uh, so they couldn't they couldn't or chose not to use Pac-Man um, they just you know like verse you know how they made so Ms. Pac-Man was a mod of Pac-Man and they probably could have modded the Pac-Man board to, to do baby Pac-Man, but they didn't. They used this video board, which I think was probably designed in this idea that they were going to make pinball machines that had video games in them as well. So, um, so it was probably like a, at a corporate level decision to say, to say, all right, we've got this hardware we've made now. We're going to make, you know, video game pinball merge systems. And this has happened, this is, you know, because Gottlieb did one. And uh, it did actually happen later on too with uh, Revenge from Mars in uh, Star Wars Episode One. But at this time, so they d designed their own hardware, 
and it was limited in its capabilities compared to what you would have in a Pac-Man. And uh, so, yeah, so they, you know, that's why the game plays a little differently. So it doesn't have the same code. It was all written by somebody else just kind of like looking at the game. And so it's more difficult. And the pinball portion of it people don't like because it's not a full pinball machine. It's small. Um, I think it's cute. I think it's kind of fun. I'm really excited to play it. Um, of course, i got to get it working. But, yeah, so I, so I kind of, you know, it's like, you know, you get that grail, and you get it, and you're like, ah, I've got it. I can work on it some other time, you know, and then you just move on to other things. So that's kind of what's going on there. I mean, like, I know any time I can fix it, you know, I can work on it, get it working, uh, if I spend the time on it. But I've got so many other projects going on, so it's not my priority. Uh, although James would tell me that it should be my priority. He's chomping at the bit to get me get that working. Um, and, uh, you know, since I've put together my parts list, it should be, you know, if, if it's just putting those connectors, that's a matter of, you know, an afternoon of working on it. And, you know, it doesn't mean that it's going to get it working because it could be the ROMs are bad. And that's not a big deal to fix either. Um, you know, it's just a lot of kind of diagnosing and figuring out what's going on. And it needs new rubbers. One of the rubbers actually on the side bumpers is broken. And so that's another thing I gotta do. So, you know, between that and, you know, it's in great shape though. The cabinet is beautiful. I mean, there's a little bit of a scratch in one spot. And the side art on the one side is torn up on the upper left point, upper right hand portion, but it's so, so minor anyways. It's like the peace sign uh, or victory sign, I guess I like to call it. I don't like to call it peace sign because it originally was victory. And, you know, then the hippies, you know, came along and they adulterated it or whatever. I just like the fact that it was victory. And in Japan, it means victory. So that's interesting. Um, I mean, they do know that it means peace, too. But they kind of use it like as, you know, like, hey, we won kind of thing. So, yeah, so as I said, so it's got this video board in it and, you know, kind of sucky hardware wise. And one of the things that I would think would just be so awesome, and I'm not going to do this to my baby Pac-Man, but it would be really cool to take and one of two things. One, to take actual Pac-Man hardware and modify it so it could interact with the MPU unit and make, you know, use actual Pac-Man mazes but alter them so they kind of resemble the baby Pac-Man races, but it's using the Pac-Man AI in the game and modify it so that it can do that and then you know edit the graphics so it's baby pac-man and that then you'd be perfect you'd be all set so then you'd have this game that has a good pac-man in it and it's got pinball and it would be awesome to do that so that's one thing i, I think would be really cool to do um that would be kind of hard to do not impossible because here's the things you'd have to do is one you have to figure out how the MPU communicates with baby Pac-Man. Two, you'd have to disassemble the um, probably baby Pac-Man code into assembly language so you can understand what's going on and probably disassemble the MPU ROMs as well um, to do it unless you can just figure it out by some kind of reverse, you know, like reverse engineering. Well, I mean, it's reverse engineering to assemble it too, but it's a little more obvious. Um, and then you'd have to disassemble Pac-Man and you probably would I would probably lean towards using like a, the uh, Ms. Pac-Man style you know daughter board coming out of it rather than just having it plugged in 
because what that would do, because uh, I don't know what kind of outputs Pac-Man's got. I think it's just, I got the control output. So you need some way to interface the two together. And uh, so the daughter board that you would plug into the Pac-Man board would have the updated ROMs that you're gonna burn, plus some kind of input interface to allow it to interface with the MPU board and send information back and forth in terms of like the status of the game and, and the MPU can send back you know score updates and stuff like that. I'm assuming that's how it works and I'm assuming that the MPU um, you know controls the pinball field and as the score goes up it sends you know okay increase the score on the screen and you know when you're playing the game you earn the energizers on the board so it probably has something to tell it okay now turn on the energizer here you know turn on one energizer turn on another energizer you know give it a one give it an extra life stuff like that so um, you know you could make some kind of interface to connect to the NPU that way and uh, so that would be really cool you could actually have a decent Pac-Man game on the top part uh, the other thing would be to do is to just rather than using the Pac-Man hardware um, use something you know like more modern use like a Raspberry Pi or um, or just make an FPGA pro program a FPGA it is a something programmable gate array um, essentially an FPGA is like imagine it is that you could make your own hardware um, with by programming it from a computer like rather than say okay I'm gonna put these components here and like build something you know with a you know drawing out schematic and then creating it you essentially almost you don't really emulate it but you you do emulate it you say I'm gonna have all this stuff and then you tell the computer to essentially program this piece of hardware to configure itself in a way so that it has all the things that the original hardware had or whatever fictitious hardware you're you know not fictitious but imagined up hardware that you're creating um, um, so that's you know and people use FPGAs all the time um, for example uh, J-Rock's uh, Multi Williams is runs on FPGA essentially he takes the Williams hardware and recreates it inside an FPGA so it's not I don't know if you call it emulation because it's not really emulating the game it's actually a recreation of the hardware in hardware so these these gate arrays are essentially like imagine like a just kind of like a, a circuit board it's got all these things on it and you just say okay we'll use this pathway or whatever you're turning things and switches on and off to make it into such a bad explanation but essentially make it into whatever hardware you want to make it into and it becomes that hardware it's not like it's an emulation where it's software that says okay I'm gonna emulate the behavior of some hardware it actually is hardware so you're taking something that was hardware and if you're if you're recreating it in an FPGA or if you're just making something new and you're making it in a piece of hardware that can do lots of things and you can program it to be other things but once it's in that configuration it stays in that configuration until you erase it and create some other configuration for it um, there's something else besides an FPGA that does a similar thing I just can't remember what it what it's called um, oh it's the FPGA stands I think formatable programmable gate array is what, it's, is what that stands for so um, yeah so it'd be cool to make something you can make something in that too you could probably do something a little more updated let's say you wanted to use like 
you know, you can make it kind of like uh, Pac-Mania or you know, whatever crazy stuff you want to do, or or just make it so that it, it just you know you could make it so it plays like Pac-Man, but has a few extra features to it without making it like you know something so modern, because um, that's kind of like you lose a little bit to it. But then, you know, I don't know. You know, it sounds like fun. It'd be fun to make it, but then at the same time, once you've made it, I think I'd rather play the original Baby Pac-Man just because it's that's the nostalgia to it. You know, I don't know. It's kind of those weird things. Uh, so, Baby Pac-Man, I think that's enough that I can talk about on that for today. Um, in the last few minutes, maybe I'll talk a little bit about my uh, Galaga 88. Um, so, like I said, Atari got the license to Galaga 88. Um, prior to that, uh, Midway had Galaxian, and they had, uh, they had Galaga, and they had Goplus in the series of the Galaga games. And then, so, Galaga 88 came out, and by then, Atari, I mean... Namco didn't want to deal with Midway anymore, and they were dealing with Atari exclusively. And uh, so they gave it to Atari, and Atari put it in one of their hideous Atari cabinets that weighs a metric ton. Um, and I don't want to say that the Atari cabinets are hideous, because they're not all hideous. A Dig Dug is a great cabinet. Um, Missile Command is a great cabinet. Uh, Centipede is awesome looking. But... If you look at a Galaga 88, you're just like, what? Because it was, it's, you know, it's a JAMA game. By then, I think they just didn't care. And I don't know if they even cared about the game itself, because it was, it was released in very limited numbers as a, as, a, um, as a dedicated machine. Most of them were just conversion kits. Um, I think it was under 500. It was very limited. Um, as a matter of fact, my board that I have is not an Atari uh, U.S. release of it. It's actually the Japanese version of uh, Galaga 88, which is the way I like it anyways. Um, and actually came from Sweden. Because <laughs> the guy, I don't know where he got it from, but it's the Japanese version, but he has this in Sweden. Not Sweden. Switzerland. <laughs> I always do that. Um, yeah, so I got this Galaga 8 board, and so <clears throat> my plan was to just put it in a Midway cabinet and make custom artwork up. And that's what I've got. I've got it in a Midway cabinet. Got it wired in there. Um, I still need to cap the monitor. Uh, the monitor looks decent, but it'll, every once in a while flicker a little bit. You know, this little graphical glitch. So it needs to be, it needs to be capped. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've, I, it's actually in a Galaxian cabinet. Um, I picked that up from Tim and it was so cheap. I think I paid him, I don't know. I, I paid him $25 for it give another whatever dollars, another $35, and he gave, threw in a 4K4600 monitor to go with it. So that worked out good. And uh, and so I've got, you know, I got a JAMA harness in there, and I stripped the cabinet down because it was, and originally I was like, whoa, because it was a Galaxian, and I started to strip the paint off, and it, I could see the Galaxian artwork under it. Underneath the paint, it was like five layers of paint it had been converted to as Pac-Man and this whole bunch of other things in its lifetime. And I was like, oh, can I save it? And I started stripping the paint off. And it just, unlike uh, James Killer Instinct that he stripped, it just, you know, a game from 1979, you go to strip the paint off of it, the inks weren't as good or whatever. And it's like, uh, you ever hold Silly Putty to a uh, piece of newspaper and it just takes the ink off with it? And you don't really see the, you know, like you see the ink on the Silly Putty and you see on the newspaper, it kind of fades the ink newspaper a little bit, but not a lot. 
well, on this, when I peeled the paint off, when it's peeling off, the ink was coming off with it. So I was just having like, you know, just like in particular, the green came off. The black stayed on and the orange stayed on, but the green just kind of came, or was it the black? I think the black came off. That was what was coming off, mostly. And so, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't, uh, wasn't going to work out. And so I stripped all the vinyl and everything off, and uh, and I <laughs> I picked up a nice Galaxian off of off of Steve, and it was beautiful. So initially I was gonna I was, I was like in this kind of like well I got this thing and it was kind of like oh it's just a old beat up midway cabinet but it was in good shape it was a plywood one I'm like I wasn't gonna feel so bad about making it to a Galaxy 88 and then I was like oh it's a Galaxian and the wood was really nice and I was like oh do I buy side art for it and turn it back into a Galaxian. I'm like, oh, $200 to turn it into a Galaxian. And I spent less for a really nice Galaxian. It was original artwork. So I still feel a little bad about it, bad about it, but I don't feel that bad. So it is now sitting there with no paint on it, waiting to be painted and for me to finish the artwork for it. I've got a really awesome scan of the Japanese flyer, which has got some really awesome artwork on it. And uh, if you look at the... the Atari one. It's the white cabinet with like Galaga 88 in pink on the sides. The control panel is hideous. It's like purple, pink, and gold. And the same thing with the marquee. Then there's no bezel. It's just black cardboard bezel with a piece of glass over it. So it's like one of the and it's just one of the ugliest cabinets I've ever seen. And by ugly, just meaning that it it's like so nondescript and it's it's a shame for such an awesome game. It's such a great game. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this. I got the flyer. I've scanned it in at like 1,200 DPI. I'm going to blow it up. Huge. Got to do some art changes to the artwork on it so it'll fit on the cabinet. And I'm going to, uh, it's going to, when I'm done, it's going to be like over 150 DPI. So it's going to be, you know, if you stick your face up to it, you're going to see, you know, pixelization a little bit. I mean, if you really want to. Um, but it's going to look good when it's done. I'm not going to vectorize it because it is all like an oil painting. Um, there's no way you could vectorize that, and, and it would actually look, would not look as good. It's just, it's really, it's, it's a raster image, and uh, it's going to stay a raster image. And I'm just going to, I'm going to have uh, Rich from this old game print it out for me. Um, he's probably going to freak out when I send him, like, you know, gigabyte-sized files to print, but we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so hopefully it'll look really good, and... Uh, yeah, so I'm excited about that. If it's going to be some work, I got, you know, I still got to make a marquee for it. You know, I could, I've got the artwork from the side. I could just kind of do that. But I want to do something special because if I'm going to all this trouble to make really nice artwork, I want to make a nice marquee for it. I'm actually going to, uh, 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 don't know, think, you know, most 100%, not like, not 100% on it, but have a really nice Galaxian control panel. I'm probably just going to leave it Galaxian. You know, see how that goes. See how I feel about it. And then I might, if I really feel like it, I might make a new control panel just for uh, Galaga 88. And that's another thing about the Atari cabinets, is they were so lazy that they used an eight-way joystick on these things, and and an Atari joystick at that, the ones that had the Atari logo uh, emblazoned on the top of the joystick, and it's like really long shaft on it, and uh, so it's like, you know, if you ever played a Galaga 88 on that, it's like, what am I playing? This is yeah, you know, I played one at Twin Galaxies, and it was just like 
the Atari joystick is crap, and uh, and so mine is. I mean, I've got it working. It's with the Galaxian control panel, and playing it on a two-way stick, it's awesome. And that's what it's meant to be played on. It's a two-way stick, not a, not an eight-way. Not that it makes it not work, but ugh. But anyway, so I am home now, and we'll probably talk about this some more. So you guys have a great weekend. I'll be uploading this. You can listen to it this Saturday, and uh, talk to you some more on Monday. And probably, you know, you won't hear it till Tuesday or maybe Monday night. But thank you for listening to my podcast if you do. And if you want to hear more, please email me at tykaylaurie at gmail.com. Or I'm tylaurie at ty at tylaurie.com. You can use the other one too. I don't care. Um, Yes, so uh, have a nice weekend and bye.